0: We are now receiving two to three requests on a weekly basis of people from across Australia who would like to learn how to convert to Islam.
1: As you mentioned, especially, you know, through social media, you see that a lot of, um, a lot of these
0: influences, you know, even they are turning towards Islam. One person says, I have grown up in Australia with the lies and misinformation. I gave up on faith until the last few years where I then read the Bible again and tried Christianity, but I couldn't relate. I then realized I had an opinion on Islam when I had no idea about it, so I decided to read the Quran, and I've never read something that I've related to as much as the Quran.
1: The Shahada, um, or the kalamah, that also declares you know, the unity, the oneness of God, and, and that oneness and that unity is perhaps the, the focal point
0: of, of, of the Islamic faith. Islam is not limited to Scripture, though the Holy Qur'an is a a way of life that describes to us how we should live life. But the ultimate purpose is to walk with God. And that's a lifelong journey, as he's quite beautifully mentioned.
1: In every single experience over the course of time, you know, the family comes around because the changes that they see in that individual are so great that, that, that it moves the family. And that change in conduct is what essentially, you know, moves the parents or the families or the pressures that they have on them, so on and so forth. As-salamu
0: everyone, and peace be upon you. Today, I'm speaking with my friend and colleague, Imam Wadud Junood. Imam Madood Janood is a central missionary of the worldwide Ahmadiyya Muslim community, currently serving in Western Australia, and he's also the Imam of the Nasir Mosque in Perth. Today, we're going to be talking about the first and most important pillar of Islam, which is the Shahada, the declaration of faith that is made when one converts to Islam. It is a simple yet profound statement which is the basis of the entire Islamic tradition. We felt the need for speaking about this topic in particular because we are now receiving two to three requests on a weekly basis of people from across Australia who would like to learn how to convert to Islam. So in this episode, we hope to provide you a detailed explanation on the Shahada with a particular focus on how it can impact our modern lives. As is, the main theme of this podcast. Expect to hear about the liberatory nature of the Shahada, what does it mean to believe in one God, why Muslims emulate Muhammad, peace be upon him, and simply how to convert to Islam and the challenges you may face in your journey. So uh, Wadood, thank you for joining us for this episode. It's a pleasure to have you. Hopefully the weather and everything is all well in western australia at the moment
1: alhamdulillah um (laughs) assalamualaikum sorry excuse me um for having me and um, it's a pleasure to be here and absolutely the west coast weather is always better than the east coast
0: (laughs) really well (laughs) that's arguable especially in winter
1: probably uh, yeah probably probably not in summer but definitely in winter better than queensland (laughs) really um I guess maybe not better than um, Brisbane, but definitely better than Sydney, Melbourne, right, yeah. uh, Adelaide, and uh, other states where they're getting a lot of rain. Uh, it's overcast, it's cold. Right. Uh, well, we're enjoying about 22 degrees and sunshine.
0: All right, well, mm-hmm. we'll move on to the main um, part of the conversation. So what we've noticed, and I think this is something you must have noticed as well on social media in particular. Um, well, maybe two things. One is that Um, there's a whole lot of confusion out there today in today's society. Um, And there's this whole argument um, taking place on the world stage, particularly on social media, between the woke mob, as they call it, and the red pill movement. And now, um, interestingly, another movement, which has been around for 14 centuries now, but they've decided to name it so, is the green pill movement. And what we're seeing is there's a lot of uh, confusion out there, in society particularly because of ir- irreligiosity um, but then at the same time uh, as i mentioned the green pill movement we've also got a lot of people being attracted to islam and a lot of people turning to islam so uh, maybe we can start here and ask you what's your take on this or, or what have you no, been absolutely. Observing? i mean i think i think
1: um, i mean anyone you know who follows any sort of media they would know that islam is the fastest you know growing religion um and as you mentioned especially you know through social media you see that a lot of um a lot of these influences you know even they are turning towards islam or some of those basic or core islamic values um and 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 morals which are being challenged excuse me sorry um which are being, you know, challenged in the world today, especially in the rise of, you know, woke media or, um, uh, you know, this woke culture. So, Islam, you know, it's attracting a a new fellowship which perhaps was not there, you know, maybe even five years ago.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because, um, as I said, we're we're receiving a lot of messages nowadays, and I think uh, it's. Um, So we follow obviously the um, the normal fiscal year, Um, and at the end of the year we were doing an analysis of the past year, and we were receiving a request. I think every uh, the average it was averaging to maybe one or two requests every single day, and it's just amazing seeing some of the messages and um, the way people have sincerely expressed. Their views on this particular topic. Um, we've got a number of people saying that they're just now fed up with all the confusion that's out there, um, and how Islam is at the moment uh, the only thing that's really making any sense. Um, and that's quite interesting, really. I mean, we, I mean, I've got a number of examples here. Uh, I can. If I can pull it out of my phone, maybe I could even read out one or two messages so it gives a bit of perspective. And these are, you know, everyday Australians who are messaging us. And I'll, I'll give you one or two examples. So, for example, one person says, I have grown up in Australia with the lies and misinformation. I gave up on faith until the last few years where I then read the Bible again and tried Christianity, but I couldn't relate. It sounds and feels like fiction. I then realized I had an opinion on Islam when I had no idea about it. So I decided to read the Quran and I've never read something that I've related to as much as the Quran. It's like it was written on my morals and beliefs and felt right. I have then thought about converting to Islam since. But a few days ago, I was researching more and it felt like my mind, body and soul all came into alignment with the decision to convert and felt like I already have, but now want to speak to someone about it more. I gave up drinking alcohol nearly a year ago. I'm very disciplined. I don't do drugs and eat healthy. I want to be part of spreading the truth of Islam and learn as much as I possibly can and start being people. Start being around people of the same beliefs. Um. Yeah, and, and there's several more. I mean, there's another... The, no, ab- yeah. yeah, yeah, go ahead you know um just just just
1: going off that um as you know, the recently uh we were actually supposed to record last week, but um I was in Darwin and um at the at the exhibition on the the true Islam exhibition that we had organized at the Royal Darwin show, you know it's attended by nearly twenty thousand people uh, you know every year, and you know similar feedback you know we were receiving from the people who were attending you know that exhibition and keep in mind you know for those viewers who may not know darwin it's another territory uh, it's a, it's it's a remote part of australia and it's a it's it's a kind of country you know it's a kind of outback where uh you know we had some you know uh we had some concerns you know going there basically the kind of feedback or the kind of backlash that we may receive but in all honesty in the 3 4 days that we were there for the exhibition you know people were just walking up and um Giving similar feedback to what you have just you know read out, that you know how important it is you know for this um, this awareness and education in regards to what true Islam really is, and its place in modern society in this day and age is something which cannot be compared to you know perhaps the declining of you know Christianity or decline of religion in general. So you see that decline happening in Australia and of course you know around the world with other faiths. And at the same time, you see uh, a lot of people, you know, turning towards Islam because how it has maintained, uh, you know, those values and those morals, some of which um, this person who messaged you, you know, spoke about. Um, And that's something that's unique to Islam because, you know, you would have seen a lot of social, you know, social media influencers talk about this as well, that how Islam stands for something. And just because of certain society or the woke culture, it doesn't um it doesn't let go of those morals and values um which are you know a core or essential part of islam so you see that you know across you know across Australia, especially now that I've been to Darwin as well, but as you've said, you know you receive messages um on a daily basis of people who are you know turning to Islam to answer. Um, some of those questions um, that may have been bothering them, you know, over the course of their lives.
0: Absolutely. And um, yeah, and this is from all over the place. And it's actually, it's quite inspiring to hear that you've experienced the same thing in Darwin, because you would think that maybe this is something uh, specific to people living in the major cities. And Darwin's, you know, well away from everything, right? So Um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's incredible. And yeah, I was, I was, I was going to, the next thing that I was going to ask is what, what, what do you think is attracting people to Islam in particular? And you're, you're absolutely right. It's the fact that Islam maintains it and has maintained its principles for the past 14 centuries and doesn't continuously change goalposts, right? And doesn't conform uh, to the societal expectations, I think is is a credit to Islam. and Yeah, the woke culture, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah because uh, some religions, uh, unfortunately over time, uh, adopt the values, you can say, uh, of the society, if not even the values. I mean, values, um, technically they could be very good values that are already intrinsically part of a faith, but mm. some religions would... Take upon certain cultures which aren't, which would be maybe associated with uh, associating partners with God, just so that they can make the religion Mm -hmm. relevant to the people of that society. To the people. And then eventually they would, you know, lose the religion itself. Whereas Islam's obviously maintained the idea that this or these principles are from God and. They're from the creator who has designed you with a specific blueprint and knows best how that blueprint needs to be uh, utilized. Right?
1: Absolutely. Um, and and you know the consequences of that are best observed in Australia. You know, recently, and I'm sure how the, you'd be aware of it as well. That when the census was received, uh, you know, when the census was released, or the or the or the figures, you know, from the data from the census was released. Uh, for the first time in Australian history, um, you know, Christianity was on the decline, and you know, atheism um, was 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 increasing. And that's the first time, you know, in Australian history, in the history of census in Australia, yeah, that you know, these 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 figures and that data has returned to show this.
0: Yeah, and it's just so unfortunate. And it's actually something we've um, uh, one point that we keep repeating is that. The people who are moving away from religion, its mostly it's not because of Islam. People don't really know much about Islam in the West, unfortunately. Um, But it's Mm. because of their understanding of religion, which they've acquired through modern-day Christianity. And the emphasis on modern-day Christianity, we've got a lot of Christian friends, obviously, and um, we we be- we we believe in Jesus, and Islam teaches us to respect Jesus and his teachings and the teachings teachings of Judaism. But unfortunately, the modern take on yep. Christianity has done such a disservice to religion, and it's one of the key reasons that Islam Absolutely, talks yeah. about for people moving away from religion, right? Um, hmm.
1: and and you know, just on that point, um, I remembered, um you know, His Holiness, the, the the fourth successor of the founder of the Muslim movement in Islam. Um, so he came to Australia for the first time in 1983. And he came to lay the foundation stone of the largest uh, mosque and mosque complex in Mazden Park um, in Sydney. It's a beautiful mosque, if anyone's been there. Uh, and... You know, it's ironic that he spoke about when he was laying the foundation stone of that mosque. You know, he spoke about now. This is in the early 1980s, 1983. Australia was conservative. Um, you know, Christianity was dominant. Um, you know, in Australia, for example, Adelaide, Hadi, I'm sure you've been there. It's known as the city of churches, right? There's a church. There's probably two or three churches. Um, you know, in a, in a in a in a block of a suburb. So Australia was, you know, Christian. It was conservative, it had conservative values. This is in early 1983 and, um, and His Holiness when he came here. And if you read his, his sermon, he speaks about how he's traveled through North America, he's traveled through Europe and Asia. And he speaks about atheism and the rise of atheism or the kind of atheism that he feels and he sees in Australia is something that he hasn't witnessed anywhere in the world. And this is at a time where, you know, uh, atheism wasn't an issue um, or the lack of, you know, faith wasn't an issue in Australia. Um, but he saw, you know, uh, he, he foresaw that, you know, the kind of uh, direction that Australia and our society in Australia was heading towards.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the reasons he gave was because um, Australia being in the East, it still considers itself to be a Western nation and um, has this kind Mm. of resistance uh, or this desire to keep up with the West. So it does more than it needs to in in relation to foregoing uh, values that um, the East actually espouses to keep up with the West, right? um so yeah no it's absolutely, interesting yeah. this is like what so many years ago um that you were speaking about this 1983 yeah, yeah exactly And you, you obviously grew up yeah. in australia you've most probably saw the uh, australia in the 90s and i'm presuming it w- wouldn't have been much different than either um
1: yeah i mean you know 90s absolutely and you know i still remember some of the friends that i've had from high school uh you know some of the friends that i still stay in touch with they were you know, they were from church-going families. They would go to church every Sunday. I remember we couldn't, you know, if they wanted to come over, if I wanted to go there, or if we wanted to, you know, catch up or do something, uh, we couldn't do anything on, on Sundays. For example, I remember, and I, and I still joke around with, uh, with this mate of mine, you know, even to this day, mate, uh, even, you know, uh, today, um, he his mother wouldn't allow him to play a game. Uh, it was called Warcraft, so I'm sure everyone would know about it. Uh, his mother wouldn't allow him to play Warcraft because uh, you know it's got it's got magic in there, it's got, it's got witches in there and witchery and whatnot. So, so she said this was against our Christian values and beliefs. So, but now you know he's an atheist. His family's an atheist. You know they don't go to church anymore, uh, and and you know in fact he he's a he's a self-proclaimed and you know declares himself to be an atheist. All right. All right. Uh, so yeah, back then, you know, there was still that connection to faith, whatever faith that may be. Uh, but you see that, you know, in churches and in, as you mentioned, modern day Christianity, the kind of harm uh, that it's uh, had, or the kind of negative impact that it's had on faith, uh, Christian specifically, uh, is quite evident, you know, across Australia. Absolutely.
0: Well, um, I guess we can then move on to the next next question that I had, which is the basis of today's conversation. And that is, I think, quite simply, what what is the Shahada, right? It it is the most, um, um, it is the first pillar of Islam. But why is it so important to Islam? If you could maybe start elaborating on that.
1: Um, Yeah, absolutely. Shahada, so, you know, five pillars of Islam. Um, So the first one, you know, is the Shahada. And I always say, you know, there are five pillars of Islam and there are six articles of faith for a Muslim. So essentially, if anyone asks, you know, what defines a Muslim, one of the most, you know, basic definition, what makes someone a Muslim is if they believe, you know, in the six articles of faith and the five pillars of Islam. These are pretty much, um, you know, unanimous. They're constant across the Muslim world. And it's, um, you know, the, the, the first pillar, the, the, the kalima or the shahada, it's actually quite similar uh, to the purpose of the first article of faith, which is, you know, belief in the unity of God. The shahada um, or the kalima that also declares, you know, the unity, the oneness of God. Um, and, uh, and, and that oneness and that unity is perhaps the, the focal point of, of, of the Islamic faith. That oneness and that unity uh, is manifested, you know, not only through this declaration of faith, which is the Shahada, but in every aspect of a Muslim's life, you know. So, Hadith, you know, I'm sure you can elaborate on this from our prayers, you know, to the direction that we face, to the Kaaba, to even, you know, the Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him. Um, his advent also unifies, you know, mankind. His advent unifies all prophets that were before him. So. The, the the focal point um you know of, of the shahadas is unity, not only the unity or the oneness of God, but the unity and the oneness of you know mankind, the unity and oneness of creation, um, of coming together. Um and that's you know, to me and I believe, you know, it's one of the most important aspects of, of the Shahada or the Kalama or the Declaration of Faith.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's such a big emphasis on the unity of God in Islam, And it can be argued that fundamentally um, it is whenever a religion moves away from the unity of God that the religion ceases to be a religion itself, right? Um, soon as it forgoes the unity of God and the understanding of the oneness of God and creates multiple gods, um, then it enters a completely different paradigm, uh, which technically can't be associated with a revealed religion because obviously um, being a revealed religion requires it to be revealed from one God and everything in the universe, in the cosmos, even deep down within our spirit, um, expresses this idea of the unity of God, right? And um I think that's abso- absolutely, you're right. It's it's the focal point of all, all religion and particularly Islam. And the emphasis lays on this in particular, that you should focus on worshipping only one God. And I think today in society, this people can understand this even more today. I mean, obviously, people have been understanding this for centuries now. Because what does Islam say? Islam doesn't say that it's a new religion, Um it only It only comes to confirm what was revealed in the past to the likes of Abraham and Moses and Joseph etc, um, but I think one thing that you know we 're talking about um, the confusion that we see and the disarray that we see in society today, particularly on social media and I think t- today 's society can really appreciate uh, the message of Islam in terms of the unity of God even more so now because we 're seeing the effects. Of um, this culture of seeking validation, this culture of following uh, influences uh, following cele- celebrities in idealizing idolizing um, celebrities I mean as nowadays um, yeah it's I mean it's akin to it's it's quite similar to I mean in in the past there's a lot of talk of or, or in the history books we read of how um, the Islam came to remove polytheism right and the worship of idols etc but in today's society um, this desire to be like a particular social media influencer or try to follow that life um, or a lifestyle or even um, the desire for having followers and likes and seeking value or validation or finding value through these things um, is similar to idolatry and unfortunately, it results in immense depression and, and, and anxiety in people who live such a anxiety, such, a, such yeah. a lifestyle, right? Uh, whereas what Islam and teaches think any is that research, you worship one God, yeah. and um, you don't. Uh, and if you leave worshiping one God, then you end up worshiping a myriad of gods, right? Which we see in society today.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And those gods, they don't have to be, you know, the supernatural being, but that God, um, or You know that the thing that you worship could be that person, uh, that influencer on on that social media, Um, and you know just coming back to your point, that why this unity is important. It's not only you know because God is one, Uh, His Holiness. You know the fifth successor of the founder of the Muslim community. um, I believe it was at one of the peace symposiums, but he you know highlighted this very aspect that this belief in one God. Um, it, it, it develops and it nurtures that love for creation and and mankind, um, because if it's one God, the God of all people. So you know, the God of Islam, or actually the one God. No, no people, no nation in history, uh, or otherwise, have any monopoly over Him. He's not the God of only Arabs or Muslims or or the children of Israel or the Hindus or the people of the East or the West. Um, he's the God of every single, you know, creation. So when you declare, in you know, when you declare Shahada, when you when you declare or when you proclaim the Shahada, you express belief in a God of every single nation and every single people. So we know, you know, as as students of other faiths, um, you can look at the New Testament, the Old Testament, you can look at the Vedas, um, every other faith. You you know, you get that. You get that experience of, you know, God of only those people. So, for example, the God of children of Israel, um, so on and so forth. But this belief in the unity of God is actually belief in, you know, through belief in that oneness of God is is a there's a, there's a greater purpose of unifi- unification of, um, you know, mankind of, of of the human race. Absolutely. Uh, this this brotherhood, which does not exist. You know, in any in, in, in any other faith, and Hadith. You know, I'm sure if you meet any convert, anyone who becomes a Muslim, and you ask them, you know, what is what is the what is the most attractive thing about Islam, or what is the you know uh, what's the best thing that you've experienced as a Muslim? Most likely, they would elaborate. It's this brotherhood, which overnight, you know, I've just found this brotherhood which did not exist, um, you know, before, and. That brotherhood, it stems from shahada. It it stems from, you know, declaring the oneness of God and declaring Prophet Muhammad to be a messenger of God.
0: Yeah, no, you're right, because even like some of the most famous or noteworthy African-Americans of our time Um, They they specifically mention this in in relation to the conversion, right? You take the likes of Muhammad Ali or even Malcolm X. And Malcolm X particularly, he mentions how when he went to to Mecca, uh, to the Kaaba, and he noticed that there were people of all backgrounds there, and they were standing shoulder to shoulder with one another. And um, it's particularly coming from the United States, which at the time, and even maybe now, as a systemic issue of racism, um, that was something which was revolutionary for him, right? And you're you're absolutely right. It's this profound concept. Um, it's simple, yet so deep. And the more you deeply understand the concept of the unity of God and trying to achieve that within your own life, it really makes you then appreciate why and how. The companions of the Holy Prophet were able to give their lives up for this, just this one particular concept, right? Um, you had, again, we're talking. I mentioned African Americans. Um, one of the one of the first um, converts to Islam was an African by the name of Hazrat Bilal, um, and he was severely persecuted. And it's it's even now we we remember uh, Bilal uh, for the expressions he made whilst being. Uh, Whilst being severely uh, tortured um, under the burning sun on the hot sand, with rocks being put upon him, and then being told with the heavy stone with, rock being with the yeah on, with yep. the boulders being put on his chest, and then being yep. told uh, to recant from the religion of Muhammad, and all he would say was "Ahad," right, which mm. is God is one, um, and the yep. reason for it because the concept is so profound. And there's another way of looking at it. I mean, I love what you've mentioned that um, as you understand the unity of God, it also unifies you with the rest of creation. Because if there is one thing or one being which transcends everything, but also unifies everything at the same time, it it is one God. And it's interesting because there was um, recently I was I was I was looking into um, modern practices of meditation, etc. Um, and mostly I was looking into it because um, I was trying to develop a deeper understanding of uh, Salat, which is the Islamic formal way of praying. And I wanted to see the the similarities, or if there are any similarities, um, between the modern research that's gone into meditation and the Islamic way of offering Salat. And it was so interesting because um, a lot of these modern practitioners, they say that when they're able to take their focus to a particular wavelength it's like they achieve a level of singularity which makes them feel whole and united with the rest of not just mankind but creation itself and it's interesting because that in harmony in harmony yeah absolutely and that's exactly what what even islam teaches about trying to achieve the oneness of god in in our lives and I think the the other perspective, and which I think a lot of the young people hopefully can appreciate, which we 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 talk a lot about freedom in today's society. You know, liberal values. We would like to be free, but are you really free though? Um, and uh, it's interesting because what Islam teaches is that as long as you are following a person, as long as you are following societal expectation, right? Say you are, you know, the next time you go to work, you you go to school. And you try to observe your behavior and you come to realize that actually, I behave in a certain way, I wear certain clothes in a particular way, or maybe I don't. So maybe you're a Muslim woman and you don't decide to wear the hijab, right? And you don't do it because you're afraid of what society will say or what will think, right? Then are you really free despite living in a free world, right? Or in a, a liberal country, Right. And Islam teaches that true true liberation comes from worshipping only one God and not looking to the rest of society, right? So there's this really profound liberatory nature to to, to this shahada as well.
1: Absolutely. And and you know, in the example that you gave before of um of Sayyidina bilal of um, of the African slave turned one of the earliest converts to Islam. Um and how, despite the heavy persecution and the torture, um, he could only utter, you know, "Ahad." Um, this, you know, this this is the freedom that you're talking about. That, you know, the despite the pain that you're going through, despite you know the hardships that you may be going through, once you reach that level of freedom, you know, nothing else matters. No pain. Um, no, no, no pain, no torture, no, no persecution can turn you away from that, that oneness, that unity. And we see this example, you know, across history, not only Islamic history, but the history of religion, that how people, when they gained that consciousness or that freedom through realization of God and the one God, the God of, you know, the universe, the, 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 the Lord of all the universe, um, the the Lord of all creation, that how that liberated them. So, you know, in the, in the story of Moses, you see that, right? Stand going against the Pharaoh. Pharaoh wasn't just any king. Pharaoh was the king. He was so powerful and mighty that he was considered God, right? Um, so imagine a humble, poor shepherd going against the God of the world, right? In the shape and form of the Pharaoh. You see that in the life and example of Abraham. You see that in the life and example of Jesus, peace be upon him. You see that in the life and example of approximately 50, 50 plus prophets that have been mentioned um, you know, in the Bible. And that is the freedom, you know, which one inherits through belief in such a part uh, you know, such a powerful concept of, you know, unity of God. And that's something that we declare as soon as you know we say that there's that there's only you know one God um, that is the God
0: yeah so uh, I really like the fact that you mentioned that because it, there's something unique about these uh, persons, uh, these prophets of God who stand up to the status quo um, and they don't conform to uh, this, the trends of society at the time uh, yet they succeed. Right, it, 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 there's this fantastical aspect to it, which it's interesting because all books today, um, all good stories. I mean, you, you take the example of even Harry Potter, right, which happens to be one of the most famous um, story <laughs> books of of our time. Um, it's so brilliant. the story is attractive. Absolutely because, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the story is attractive because um, because the theme. Follows that of the prophets of God. Uh, it's interesting because it's really deeply, uh, you can say, Quranic or biblical in nature, because it, uh, it you have uh, a young boy who stands up to uh, the prevalent circumstances of society, though all the odds might be against him. Right, uh, but what 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 J.K. Rowling has done is she's managed to borrow from these stories or these true stories of the past. But I think what's more important to, I mean, what, one, that's very attractive to us as human beings, because then we would like to emulate and also follow and find fulfillment in the same way. Uh, but it's interesting because what you observe in the lives of these individuals is all the variables, materialistic variables and factors go against these individuals. Yet God makes them succeed which in itself is a testimony to that unity of God, right? I mean, there was one thing where one person could stand up and just claim whatever he likes, that he worships one God. But if what he was claiming ultimately does not achieve success in the way in which he has claimed, then technically you know, you you wouldn't really believe uh, the claim in the first place, right? It would would just be a fairy tale. Absolutely.
1: I mean, and, and I think, you know, and all prophets, you know, they examples, you know, unique to this. But I always look at the example of Prophet Moses, peace be upon him, right? Um, I think a lot of people don't realize the 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 magnitude of, you know, of his miracle, of what he was up against, right? These days, uh, you know, there's a lot of research into, you know, the, the pyramids and, and the ancient Egyptian, you know, civilization, one of the greatest civilizations to, you know, to, to walk or to exist on, on, on earth. And to go up against that, you know, who, I was thinking, would the Pharaoh, would would he have ever imagined that a day will come where my existence will only be recognized through these ruins that, you know, these people will be digging up and Moses will be someone who will be revered by billions of people um, and, and they would follow him and they would revere him and they would honor him and they would remember him, whilst my remembrance will purely be out of you know these ruins that 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 exist you know beneath thirty foot of sand, so just you know how the events transpired and you know history, it would show that how you know that unity and that belief in one God truly not only liberated you know Moses peace be upon him, but the you know but as the Quran declares him to be you know alive forever. <speaking in Hebrew> these people, these individuals. You know, they they inherit a everlasting life, absolutely, um, and we see that you know in in the shape and form of Moses and of course every other prophet of God as well.
0: Absolutely. So I think maybe at this stage it would be important to, if obviously I didn't I didn't mention earlier, but the 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 statement is La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah that there is none worthy of worship except Allah. And Muhammad is his messenger. So so far, we've been talking about the first aspect, which is the unity of God and to worship only one God. Um, why is the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, mentioned in this particular statement? As in, what's the significance of that?
1: I think there's you know there's a few reasons, and of course, we can break them down uh, over over this podcast. But for me, it's the continuation of, you know, the unity of God um, because the Prophet, peace be upon him, unites all Prophets before him as well. So, for example, there are famous traditions, a of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Uh, the Qur'an declares him to be, you know, khatam al-Nabi'in as well. He's There's a hadith, there's a saying of the Prophet where he says, you know, I was khatam al-Nabi'in when Adam himself was being created. And we see, you know, all these prophets in some form or another, um, especially you know biblical prophets in the old testament, we see these prophecies about the coming of this great prophet or the prophet. Um, and this prophet, he's a mercy for mankind, right? The Quran declares him to be the, the 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 merciful creation for the whole of you know mankind. And belief in him also unites us in regards to all these prophets, right? Um, as a Muslim, as you mentioned before, you cannot be a Muslim, you know, until you believe in every single prophet from the time of Prophet Adam, peace be upon him, till the advent of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. At the very end, at the very end, when you believe in Prophet Muhammad, that's when you become a Muslim. But before that, you know, you cannot be a Muslim unless you believe in Jesus and Moses and Abraham and Jacob, um, and 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 you know, and John. Um, and Aaron and all these prophets. So even belief in Muhammad, peace be upon him, is uh, becomes a source of you know unity amongst amongst people and cultures and nations. Because you know if 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 I'm if, if I follow Judaism, then I regard every other prophet from Jesus onwards, right, to be a false prophet. Uh, if I become a Christian I regard every other prophet after Jesus, peace be upon him, to be a false prophet. If I become a Hindu, for example, I regard every biblical prophet, right, and Muhammad, peace be upon him, to be a false prophet. So no faith, no religion, um, through belief in his founder, promotes the kind of unity and oneness um, that does so through, you know, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So again, um, uh, there's, there's a deep meaning behind why the Holy Prophet's been mentioned here. And as you've mentioned, um, just as the concept of the unity of God unites all of creation, then also following the Prophet Muhammad in particular unites all faiths and those who uh, follow the prophets of God. Um there's also another aspect which I believe is worth talking about and that is that the Holy Prophet وسلم, in particular managed to reach the climax of the unity of God and that's that's also an intrinsic belief of Islam hence why we consider him to be what is known as an Nabiyin, the seal of the prophets, right? This term khatam is used in the Arabic language in particular when you want to denote or specify someone's uh, supremacy, right? It's, it's here, Greatness. It's, it's yep, greatness, yep. right? So, for example, it, the, yep. the term has been used for others as well at different times, such as khatam al-shu'ara, someone who was the best of the poets like Mutanabbi, etc., um, and, and, yeah. and others, obviously. Um, but here we're, we're talking about the greatness of the Holy Prophet. But why was he great? He was great because he managed to um, demonstrate to us the unity of God in every manner, and particularly through his own character and conduct and his life story, right? Um, it's something which we witness in his character, uh, his dealings with people, it's something that eyewitnesses within his own home such as his wives uh, Particularly Hazrat Aisha عنها, uh testified to that he was the embodiment of the Holy Quran itself um, And in actuality it's interesting because the fa- founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community His Holiness uh, Hazrat Maza Ghulam Ahmed salam, who we believe to be the promised Messiah and the Imam Mahdi he mentioned something very interesting and he said that the Quran was revealed to the Holy Prophet uh, wasallam because of the nature of Muhammad wasallam, because he himself was the perfect man and he managed to understand the unity of God to the highest degree, hence why the greatest form of revelation was revealed to him in the form of the Holy Qur'an. He had the capacity to be able to receive the message of the Holy Qur'an, which is the best way and code and conduct of life, and the final uh, law from God Almighty, uh, which confirms the teachings of the past, but also provides us teachings which are timeless for the future as well, right? Right. Um, and I think that that's also that's also another aspect which I think is so important today. Today, one of the biggest issues of the society is just a lack of guidance. People, one thing which is very important is to have a good mentor, right? And they say that if if you cannot find if your circumstances are so that you cannot find a mentor, then go read a book because books can you know mentor you to a certain degree. Um, but if I were to simplify this for our young audience in particular, um, the importance of Muhammad, peace be upon him, in the religion of Islam is akin to the requirement of having a mentor to teach you how to adopt the unity of God in your life, how to have a living relationship with God Almighty that was best Taught and preserved by the holy prophet and his religion, um, and hence why you cannot you cannot uh, you cannot separate the statement Muhammad Rasulullah from La Ilaha illallah, Right, the two are Absolutely. are necessary. Um, and
1: and and you know, scholars in you know, scholars of the past, they've they've actually you know written thousands of words on just you know, this shahada, this declaration of faith, Allah illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. And and they say that this this statement in essence it presents um the the, the, the gist or the summary uh, of of the Islamic teaching of, of the Quran of the whole of the religion of Islam. And they actually break it down. So they say, you know, for example that La <clears> illallah, <throat> it refers to you know, the rights of God And Muhammadur Rasulullah, you know, refers to the rights of the creation of God And if we see, and if you observe the Holy Quran Essentially, uh, you know, the commandments are divided between these two categories, right? The rights of God and the rights of creation of God And, you know, it's one of the most beautiful things, you know I heard was, you know, the fourth caliph, the fourth successor of the founder of the Muslim community He explained, you know, this philosophy in the Shahada uh, and this philosophy of all, you know, uh, all commandments in the Holy Quran, they can essentially be divided in these two categories of the rights of God and the rights of, you know, the creation or the rights of the man of God. Um, Sorry, the rights of the creation of God. And he said that they have to go parallel. So, you know, one cannot only try to pawn, you know, one of these um, and totally neglect the other to the point where, you know, he emphasized that the rights of the creation of God, uh, they, they play a dominant role and they enable you to fulfill the rights of God Himself. So one of the most beautiful examples that he gave was that, imagine, you know, a lot of Muslims, for example, you know, they may, co- they may concentrate on their salah, uh, on the five pillars, on the fasting, on, on, on the zakat, Um, so they concentrate towards you know fulfilling the rights of god but they may have a horrible relationship with their neighbor um, or they may curse you know a relative or a friend um, or they may not be the best of father or husband or mother or wife so on and so forth so he said the example of those people who pay that diligence or attention towards rights of god but neglect the rights of creation of god is like that person who tries to build a two-story house um, but he proceeds to build or construct the second story before building the foundation or the ground level of the first story. And we see that in the life of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. And, you know, you can elaborate on this hadith as well, that, again, uh, I'm just going off the top of my head, I think it's a second hadith in Bukhari, um, that how did revelation begin? Um, and if it's it's a really long hadith, the really long incident that how the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he received the very first revelation. And I'm not going to narrate the whole incident, but we all know the story that how he was in the cave and the angel came, uh, and then the Prophet, peace be upon him, at the weight of the tremendous responsibility that was being placed upon him, he quickly went home and he was worried. Uh and he asked his beloved wife, Hazrat Khadija radiallahu anha, to put a blanket over him uh, and then he and then he narrated the whole incident what had happened and the Kh right a woman his wife she became the first believer but when the prophet explained what had happened she didn't ask for you know his the, the 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 proof of his prophethood she didn't ask you know prove to me that an angel came to you she didn't ask proof of the existence of this one you know god la ilaha illallah. She presented, I, I believe, again, I'm just going off the top, but I think five or six things, um, that this is why I believe in you. And all of those five or so attributes of the prophet, peace be upon him, all of them had to do with his relationship um, with the creation of God. So, for example, there were something like, you know, you look after the poor, right? Um, you, you look after those in need. You look after, you know, those who are, who are in a state of difficulty, Um, You are, you know, you have the highest merit of hospitality. Uh, You look after your relatives. Um, I believe one of them was that you have all those good attributes which do not exist in the society today. And that's why I believe you to be a prophet of God. So, you know, Muhammad Rasulullah also draws our attention towards, you know, this aspect of our faith. uh, And that is the rights of the creation of God, which enable us to fulfill you know the rights of god um, which essentially both of these things they have to go you know parallel in order uh you know for one in, in order for one to you know tread upon you know this faith and 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 walk and journey further into spirituality
0: absolutely and i think um i, I really like that point because it reminded me of something uh, again the the founder of the Ahmadiyya muslim community he once mentioned something he said that uh, the greatest miracle, or you know we, in in religious uh, belief, we we tend to think of different miracles as faith inspiring. And he said that the greatest miracle is not in uh, the different stories that we read of the past, but in actuality, in the revolutionary transform- transformation, of the human character, right? And he says that that was one of the greatest miracles of Muhammad, which was his character. He was appropriate and perfect in every stage of his life. When he spent um, uh, his time as an orphan, as someone who had no support and was nowhere, could never ever imagine Having any form of governance under him, or being the king or the ruler of a whole kingdom, um, he behaved appropriately according to those circumstances. When he was uh, when he was poor, but then also when he rose to power, and God Almighty granted him power and gave him leadership, even then he behaved entirely appropriately, and um, he displayed kindness where kindness was due he displayed strictness where strictness was due and i think people of today can really appreciate this because this is one of the biggest silent you can say epidemics or pandemics taking place in the world today which is just moral confusion not knowing what to do at what time and what faculties are actually appropriate and how to utilize not
1: knowing where to make a stand, absolutely. Yeah,
0: not knowing where to make a stand, yeah. or etc. And then, whereas w- what we see in the life of the Holy Prophet wasallam is that he is the best when it comes to his wives, the way he is dealing with his wife. He is the best when it's coming to dealing with uh, his neighbors and society. And this was something which was acknowledged even before he started rev- receiving revelation. I mean, people c- considered him to be the Amin and Siddiq uh, well before. Amin meaning the trustworthy um, and Siddiq the truthful well before he received revelation and the founder of the Muslim community, His Holiness Mirza Ghulam Ahmed he says that it was because of this nature of Muhammad that the Holy Quran was revealed to him which happens to be the most timeless miracle of today which continues to show miracles even in this day and age 14 centuries after the demise of the Holy Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him, right? I think one thing also that... um I would, I, I think, is important to, mess, in, in, in to me- mention, is obviously we don't have the time to go through. Uh, I mean, we, we we will do episodes in the future going through the life and the character of the Holy Prophet, peace be on, upon him, God willing, inshallah. Um, obviously, going through different aspects of his life right now is would take hours upon hours. Um, but we would, I I would highly recommend our viewers and listeners to. Uh, go away and uh, read the book Life of Muhammad. We'll provide it in the description below and also um, a way for you to download it. Um, and it's 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 a story that's important to read today, ever more than before, um, because it's a story of a man who personified the unity of God in his life and not only was he able to do it in his own uh, individual sphere in his own private life but it was something that the world witnessed and all the circumstances it was like the whole universe worked in his favor right um it's just it's just incredible and
1: you know this shahada the kalima you know it draws it's it's not only for you know someone who's converting even for a muslim it draws our attention towards you know studying Um, and, and, and applying the life, the sunnah of the prophet, you know, in, in our lives. And, you know, one of the things Muhammad Rasulullah, you see on um, social media, um, a lot of, you know, these individuals who go out and they do da'wah, um, and, you know, their debates, um, and, and, and it gets, you know, in order to get social media likes and to go viral, you know, you try and put down the other person, um, through, through your arguments and through your debates and through your, uh, you know, through your way of, you know, conversation and the proofs that you may have. One of the things, if you study the life of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, is that his da'wah, his invitation to, you know, to, to his God, to, to the one God, was always through his character and morals and values. Right? He would he didn't stand on a corner and you know present proofs of you know existence of God and, 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 and proofs of how he's the prophet of God and how these um these prophecies have been fulfilled in his regard and, and try to put down, you know, the other person. His greatest dawah, his greatest league his greatest conveying the message of God and and the Quran was his own morals and values which moved people where people said look he could not be a liar where people said look uh, if this is from Muhammad then it has to be true Uh, where through his own character the way he dealt with people in kindness um, and in humility uh, that is what moved you know people that is what changed people's heart you know what you were talking about the the, that that attraction that Muhammad peace be upon him had, uh, which drew people towards him, wasn't the way he, uh, the you know how eloquent he was, or or it wasn't you know this greatest single proof that he presented before them. It was his own character, uh, morals and values that he presented, which moved people to the point where boulders are being placed upon their you know upon their bodies and they can't leave. They can't. They can't leave the unity of God. Absolutely. So that it's important that the second part of the Shahada, Muhammad Rasulullah, draws the attention of a Muslim towards emulating the life and the character and the moral values of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him.
0: Absolutely. And it's just, um, it, what you just said again, just reminded me of something I heard recently, um, and I think it's worth mentioning because, um, though f- for our viewers and listeners, uh, again, just as I highly recommend you read The Life of Muhammad. Do also check out the Jalsa Salana UK, the International Annual Convention of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community that just took place recently. It was incredible, absolutely faith-inspiring. And in in one of the speeches there, man, it was such a beautiful speech, right, by uh, Dr. Fahim Yunus. And he said something really interesting. He said that, Um, if you uh, drink a drop from the cup of science, then at most it makes you arrogant. But if you delve deep right to the bottom of the water, then all you can manage to understand is the unity of God. And you see the unity of God in every aspect of creation, right? But then he said something really interesting with this as well. He said that, but once you adopt the unity of god in your life you no longer need to argue with others because our job isn't to argue with others but to win the hearts of those who are around us and it is through the unity of god that you also unify creation it's it's it was just such a beautiful thing obviously he said it in such a much a much better way than the way i'm describing but <laughs> and and and,
1: yeah. and 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 i believe and 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 i believe he was quoting um uh, a, a scientist or a physicist who had, you know, this example of, um, you know, if you drink from the from a drop of, from the glass, you know, from the drop of a science, this is what you conclude to. But also, you know, whilst we were, I was researching for this podcast and whatnot, you know, I came across uh, the, just, you know, Einstein, how he, um, as he studied, you know, the universe and, and, and creation, um, and, and he also commented on how there's this perfect unity and harmony that exists in creation and this is what we spoke about earlier as well that it's not only you know belief in the unity of god that belief it's it it extends um to creation it extends to the physical world not only the spiritual world and it exists and, and and it it extends to every single aspect of our life you know for example when we pray we stand together in line shoulder to shoulder we make sure that we're standing in a straight line in one line we make sure that no one is uh, you know, no one, no one breaks that line. No one goes further up. No one goes behind. We stand behind one Imam who leads the prayer. Uh, we face that one direction, right? Which is the Kaaba. Um, so this, you know, unity, this form of unity, it is, doesn't only extend to the spiritual realm. It, it it's, it extends to the physical creation, but it also extends to every single part of a Muslim's you know, life for and you you mentioned this before as well. I recently had the uh, you know, pleasure and, and honor of going to the Kaaba for, 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 for Umrah. And you see that, you know, the rich and over there the unity is, you know, amplified because everyone is wearing the same white robes. Right. There's 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 no class in the clothing that you wear. There's no brands, you 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 wear slippers, not even socks. Um uh, so so you've got the same kind of clothes, you've got the same color of clothes you you're there for that same purpose. there's no rich or poor there's there's no old or young. you're there as worshipers of the one God and you become that representation or that manifestation of unity um, which God desires to be you know established in human race. and I think there's no you know, better side. if anyone wants to google, you know, what happens at Kaaba, what happens at Hajj, what happens at Umrah, they would know and understand what I mean about that oneness and unity being amplified and manifested in every single aspect of your life. To the point that once you conclude, you know, you you either trim or you cut your hair so you see everyone over there who's hairless. <laughs> you know, who's, uh, so even that part, you know, even that part to, on some level, you know, shows...
0: Unity yeah yeah no that's incredible and I think before we move on to the next or next question is uh one thing I think is important to mention is there is this movement a counter movement against this uh, woke highly liberal movement, which is the red pill movement, and usually this is the conservative group which is now trying to make the message of the modern-day Christianity relevant again, and particularly the way they do it, and they've been doing it for many, many, many years now, it dates back even more than a century, is by presenting the passion story of Christ, right, and showing Christ as being someone who was utterly innocent, etc. But it's really important because, again, uh, once again uh, mentioning the importance of reading The Life of Muhammad, peace be upon him, the second successor of the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, His Holiness Mirza Bashiruddin, Mahmoud Ahmad, he mentioned something very interesting and he said that if you read the life of Muhammad, you'll see that Muhammad had a passion story every single day of his life in service of God and in service of mankind. Muhammad bore the cross where he says that where Jesus had to bear that cross once in his life at the age of around about 33 or so. And that's considered to be an immense sacrifice which moves the hearts of people towards Christianity. If you had only read the life of Muhammad, you would realize that in actuality, it was not one day. Every single day of Muhammad's life, and particularly during his ministry from the age of 40 to 63, He bore that cross, and he managed to display the unity of God um, in both at a time where he was severely persecuted for thirteen years and without power, and then at a time where he had power for ten years, and you know one of the climaxes being at a time where, after being uh, removed from Mecca and having to migrate to Medina, around seven years later he comes back to Mecca as. Uh, you can say, a conqueror with 10,000 followers. But interesting, he doesn't conquer Mecca like that of Genghis Khan or those uh, who have conquered lands in the past. He comes to Mecca and openly forgives those who persecuted him and killed his fellow uh, family members and his uncle, his wife, etc., etc., uh, his daughters, I mean, they, they were responsible for uh, such suffering and loss that he had to go through. And openly he says, La I, I forgive you all today. Uh, why? Because I do it for the sake of God. Because what God teaches is that reformation is key, not revenge. Right. So again, we witness the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, behaving absolutely appropriately.
1: You know, everything that you elaborated there, um, I remember a few years ago, uh, I had to present a speech or a lecture somewhere, and I was doing some research. And I think, um, you know, if anyone wants to Google this, they can proceed to do so. Um, this Google the person uh, by the name of, you know, Professor Ramakrishna Rao. He's an Indian professor of philosophy. And he's actually written a book, um, you know, Muhammad, the Prophet of Islam. Uh, and he refers to Muhammad, peace upon him, as... The perfect role model for human life, you know, perfect role model for human life for all time to come. So not only this same age, but for all time to come. And one of the greatest examples he gives is the example that you've just given, uh, you know, right now to the views in regards to you know for, you know, for thirteen years he's persecuted in in Mecca. You know, he's had his relatives, uh, he's had his, uh, you know, friends colleagues, people he's loved, you know, mercilessly martyred, killed. Uh, and then for, you know, another seven or so years in Medina, he, he, he migrates, he leaves his home, his land, his property, his beloved, you know, city. Um, and he, and he migrates to a different city, but still he's not left at peace. So his, his loved ones, uh, his relatives, his, uh, you know, his families, friends, companions, you know, they're killed. And Ramakrishna Rao, he, you know, in the most eloquent ways, you know, he draws up this whole emotion of, you know, these 13 years of persecution in Mecca, seven years in Medina. And now he finally enters, you know, Mecca as a, as a conqueror. And we've got the history before us, you know, what the conquerors of the past have done when they have conquered a city. You know, we've got the history of Caesars, you know, before us. And, you know, then the, you know, and then what Muhammad, peace upon him, what he does um, Is an example in history And it's a unique example in history The likes of which, you know, are not found In any conquest whatsoever And he says, you know, That on this day there's no blame upon you He forgives every single individual of that city You know, people who had been murderers, you know Even, uh, you know, people who had murdered his own you know, family members, you know, they're forgiven. And Professor Ramakrishna Rao, you know, he, he, in the most eloquent of ways, um, you know, he explains all of this and he presents, you know, the case for Muhammad, peace upon him, being an example for all mankind, for all of, you know, human life. So if anyone wants to look that up, that's Muhammad, the Prophet of Islam, by Professor Ramakrishna Rao.
0: All right, wonderful. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely find a link for that and include that in the description as well. I think mm. that's wonderful. Um, yeah, so I think now just moving forward. Um, so we've understood briefly so uh, the Shahada, the first pillar of Islam. Uh, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. There is none worthy of worship except Allah and Muhammad is his messenger. If you're looking to convert to Islam, I mean, we get this question um, repeatedly now. Um, maybe let's start off with, how do you convert to Islam? Is there is it is it difficult? Is there any specific thing that you need to do to become a Muslim? Uh, what is that exactly, and how do you go about doing it?
1: I think um, if you listen to this podcast, you would know. So you know, first thing that we should do is listen, uh, you know, to this podcast. But uh, look, conviction of faith—it's extremely personal. Um, I would, you know, whenever I interact or speak to, you know, people who are thinking about this, um, I always tell them that look, matters of faith should not be taken, you know, lightly. Um, You should think about this, and always keep in mind—if you're thinking about converting to Islam—always keep in mind that Islam presents a God. Um, who's not confined to scripture only? Who's not confined to, you know, writings on scripture on books, uh, you know, which 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 have been in existence for the past fourteen hundred or two thousand years? Right, the God of Islam is a living God. He's a, he's a He's a God that listens to his servants. He's a God who presents the single greatest proof of existence to be that he answers the call. Right, he he answers your prayers. So I think the first step should be. You should pray to that God. Um, you should you should implore that God to give you that conviction of faith, that firmness in faith, um, a a faith um, which will you know once you take that step of shahada will 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 not fault. In fact, you pray that it will continue to grow. So after you know you have that conviction in faith, uh, you know the single. Most simple step to becoming a Muslim is that you not only recite the Shahada, but you understand the Shahada, you believe in the Shahada, you believe in the unity and oneness of God. And you believe Muhammad, peace be upon him, to be a servant and a messenger of God. On the most basic and simple level, that makes you a Muslim. No one can take the title of a Muslim away from you. uh, No matter... Um, you know, <clears throat> that, that, that single act, that single belief, um, essentially defines you as a Muslim. Um, but that is the first step of a, of a long journey, right? The Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, he even referred to his life as that of a traveler who is traveling towards his destination. And the life of this life is nothing but a short rest stop under a tree. So, that would be the easiest and perhaps the, the the most simple step on your journey to Islam, and it's a lifelong journey it's it's not a journey that you complete in a day or a week, even you know us who are born into Islam um, we realize this we know this that just being born into it um, doesn't fulfill the purpose of being a Muslim rather it's a, it's a it's a constant struggle to better yourself as a human being and as a Muslim. And it's a lifelong journey. Uh, and keeping that destination in mind, you endeavor and you struggle and you work towards that destination.
0: All right, absolutely. And just, just for reviewers, so the, the statement that's made upon conversion is, أَشْهَدُ إِلَهَا إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَحْدَهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَأَشْهَدُ مُحَمَّدًا عَبْدُهُ وَرَسُولُهُ that I bear witness that there is none worthy of worship except Allah. He is one without partner. And I bear witness that Muhammad is his messenger. So this is uh, the way the Shahada...
1: Abduhu wa Rasoolo, that he's his servant and messenger. Yeah, Just, uh, that, clarification. Absolutely. that is Abd, that he's a servant of God. and yeah.
0: Absolutely, servant and messenger. So um, usually when you do develop that conviction in faith and you're fully confident in proceeding with becoming a Muslim then in Islam again it doesn't require much ritual Um, there's no massive church service that is required or dunking you into (laughs) into uh, (laughs) there's no baptism baptism. other than the fact that you sincerely utter um, from your heart uh, with your tongue uh, these words and then um after uh, it is it, it is said that you should to signify a new birth that you go home in your own time and have a bath and uh, that then uh, represents a, a new new beginning and this is something that you don't have to do alone uh, in well if you want to you can uh, there's no r- need for you to turn up at a mosque to officially become a muslim that's not something that islam requires islam is a very simple religion uh uh, it's something that you can do in your own time and you can consider yourself a Muslim without anyone even ever coming to know. But if you do require help, then it is also something that you can um, avail. Uh, we have or we are associated with Imams across Australia. And if you reach out to us, we can put you in touch with an Imam who would happily sit with you um, and help you recite the words um, of the Shahada and then also answer any further questions you might have. But ultimately, as Imam Wudu Junood is quite beautifully explained, um, Islam is not limited to scripture, though the Holy Qur'an is a a way of life that describes to us how we should live life. But the ultimate purpose is to walk with God. And that's a lifelong journey, as he's quite beautifully mentioned. Um, We walk with God on this earth, and the way to walk with God is to submit to his will and to try and uh, live to achieve his pleasure, um, which is by doing justice to the rights of God and then also the rights of mankind. Um, What are some of the challenges you think uh, could be faced by someone uh, who is desirous of becoming a Muslim um, and Keeping those challenges in mind, how should they confront those? I mean, as in, for example, I'll, I'll just mention. Uh, I know some people who are very desirous of converting, but uh, they're afraid of social, social pressure, right? The family pressure. Families is going to start judging. There is some who are actively hiding their faith. They're, they're Muslims behind behind closed doors. Um, but is this something which you should be afraid of? As in, is this something that should deter you from converting to Islam? Or uh, what, what advice would you give to such people? You know,
1: I think, you know, first of all, whenever I meet someone who who has just converted or is thinking about converting or who has taken that step, um, I always tell them that, look, I'm so inspired by you. What you are going through and what you're feeling is something that I can never understand. It's something that I've only read in books. Um, as someone who's you know born a Muslim, we can never understand, um, you know, or feel the struggle of someone who's changing everything they've always believed in, right? So for me, it's always such a inspiring moment. It's a humbling moment, and it's also a moment of you know being grateful that you know look, I'm I'm a born Muslim, but imagine you know I think it's beyond imagination. Uh, you know, think of someone who's changing everything that they've always believed in or always held dear. That's the first thing. Uh second thing, you know, what you've mentioned, I'll I'll tell you a story. Um, you know, this is back when I was studying in Jamia, uh the, the, the university where you studied to become an Imam for the Fd Muslim movement in Islam. And I was visiting home over the over the summer and I got in touch with one of my primary school friends so this is someone that i hadn't seen since hadn't seen or met since um grade seven right so even before high school and we knew each other because uh my family you know in the in the 90s had migrated from from pakistan and he was actually from germany so his family had migrated from germany and we studied at the same school so we connected uh we became really good friends in in primary school Uh, so we lost touch And then I reconnected with him again um, In that summer And he had become a Muslim And I asked him You know If his family knew And his family didn't know And over the course of that summer We stayed in touch And you know He said he wants to tell his family But he just hasn't found The right moment Or You know That opportunity Where he feels comfortable But I still remember You know It was the Eid I think it was Eid al-Fitr And I had invited him over and we were having food together and he said that his his family found out and I asked him, you know, how did you find out? And he said they had known for a while and his mother said that I see you doing things which you never used to do. And that was basically staying out at night. I don't see you drinking anymore. I see you getting up at odd hours of, you know, the morning and going to the bathroom. And, and when I go to the bathroom, the bathroom's like wet, the sink's wet, there's water everywhere. Um, I see you, you know, um, uh, you don't, you don't eat certain, you know, types of food with us anymore. So his mom had essentially, you know, this is mothers, right? Mothers know things. They can sense things, right? So his mother knew, right? Before he could even tell her. And she was so happy for him. She was so proud of him because she said, these are positive things, right? You're not going out at night. You're not drinking, right? You're not, um, you're not, you're not doing all, I was worried about, you know, all the things that are out there, uh, and what parents generally worry about, you know, in regards to their youth? And I see this change in you, which is something that I could have never, you know, imagined. So sometimes, you know, it can have that positive impact on families as well. But at the same time, for example, recently at Mustard Nasser here, um, we had someone, you know, a, a convert who came and he was from a Mormon background and uh, from an Islander Mormon background. And... Um, you know, it was difficult for him for, you know, uh, telling his family, his, his mother wasn't very happy. He was really close to his mother. So absolutely, there are those pressures, uh, you know, of the society, um, of your family. And I always begin a conversation with these people that, look, I want you to understand is that I can't understand how difficult can this can be for you, right? I haven't gone through this. But i give them, you know, examples from the life of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. What those companions went through when they left their families and the and the religion of their forefathers and when they accepted, you know, the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and, and, and the one God. And I tell them, look, you know, your example is similar to these stars, these companions who existed nearly 1400 years ago. That's the kind of pressure that they felt. That's the kind of struggle that they went through. And I tell them look your example and what you're going through uh, you know it's a source of it, it's faith inspiring you know for for me and but in every single experience over the course of time you know the family comes around because the changes that they see in that individual um, are 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 so great that 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 it moves the family right and again it revolves around drugs and and, and drinking and partying. And, and and the clothing and just the way you go about yourself, just the way you interact with your mothers and your and, and, and your fathers and your family members and your neighbors and, and the people around you. Because I always tell them, look, the greatest Islam and the greatest of the greatest da'wah that you do is through your own morals and values and your own conduct. And that change in conduct is what essentially, you know, moves the parents or the families or the pressures that they have on them, so on and so
0: forth. Absolutely, and I guess that's such a wonderful way to actually come to the end of the podcast as well because that was the miracle of Muhammad, may peace and blessings of God be upon him, that change and radical transformation in character and taking responsibility for your life and living wholly and appropriately in a fulfilled manner. That's just wonderful. Um, well, thank you so much, um, Imam Wadud Janood, uh, for giving us... Time from your busy schedule and speaking us uh, speaking with us today. Uh, that is all we have uh, time for.
1: Uh, thank you for having me, and it's uh, it's a it's a pleasure to be a part of such a you know noble cause. And thank you for having
0: me, appreciate it. All right, so it's a pleasure talking to you. <laughs> that is all we have time for and if you did like this episode please do follow us on our social media platforms at trueislamau similarly you can visit our webpage for more content at trueislam.com.au we would love to get your feedback is there anything you would like for us to cover in future episodes were there any questions that were left unanswered Please do comment and let us know, and we'll try to answer those as soon as possible. With that, that is all we have time for today. Thank you for listening, and until next time, Assalamu alaikum. May peace be upon you.